0: Hello and welcome to Sideways. This week we're talking about cash points and the very tricky subject of enabling. Uh, Right, okay, so um, here we are again.
1: What episode number is this then? I've absolutely no no idea. No, we don't know where they're going to go out either, do we really? And what sequence? We we don't really know what we're doing. We're winging it, aren't we?
0: Somewhat <laughs> okay, I'm pleased with that. Yeah,
1: um,
0: so what are we talking about?
1: Well, oh, I, I want to talk to you about uh, cash points, you know, ATMs. Yeah, I know do, what they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah? does <laughs> it make any sense? Do you know? Do you,
0: I, I do. I, I it's been some time since I used a cash point, yeah. What, well, uh, yes, I know what cash points are, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, they're slowly disappearing, aren't they, from our landscape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is not this is not the thrust of the uh, episode but I'm just saying, as a as a point.
0: I didn't actually until you said that I didn't realize that uh, that cash points yeah, were disappearing. They from are. They
1: are. I mean all the all the banks are sort of closing down branches and sub-branches. Right. And um you know you're getting villages being isolated now because they have to drive miles and miles to get to their local cash point. But I know cash is not such a big deal these days anyway, is it? It's not king. It's, anymore, not, it's not king. No, it's it's oh. become less and less of a an object really for, for, for use out on the high street or anywhere really it's more of an embarrassing um, relative than King it is it is really but um, I think you know I've, we've seen him on the, on the telly haven't we being ripped out of out of walls by stolen did it, happened in Hitcorn, sto- didn't stolen, it well, recently it did happen in Headcorn I used to live right next door to that one <laughs> it wasn't you was it it wasn't me but there's the stolen digger yeah, you know, you've got to you've got to respect the stolen digger, haven't you? They're they being used all over the show for that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I would feel
0: nervous about stealing a digger, let alone uh, yeah them taking a cash point out of the side of the local Sainsbury's. I
1: know, I d I don't know how they've got the gall to, to get away with it. It must be getting some sort of buzz. Mm. It really is. But one of the cash points has disappeared, which was uh which which I used to use an awful lot at one time it was one just on just on the Loose Road, <laughs> the top end of Cripple Street. It was in Lloyd's Bank. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember it. Yeah, well that's been turned into a funeral parlour now, which um, <laughs> slightly ironic really but um yeah that's disappeared and it used to be on my route from where i lived between there and the you know the swan on the loose road yes Right. well uh, that used to take me three minutes to walk to the swan because i timed it and at the two minute mark was the cash point Uh, yeah
0: why did you time it
1: well i don't know i just did i counted my steps and then i worked out how long it took me and got it and just worked out there's
0: material for another podcast Uh, probably yeah
1: (laughs) but I did used to count the steps and I used to count them home again as well which is a bit weird but and I knew exactly where the cash point was so I reckon I think as if I ever lost my sight I could still do it
0: (laughs) well get to the cash point or the the swamp, both yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. but it it was on the route home and it's um it used to be when I was, you know, it's, it's embarrassing really, but you know, this was in, in the time I was, I was in, a, in my marriage, and I used to just say to my, to my wife, uh, I've just got to nip up the cash point, okay? Yeah. And uh, the, the reason I went to nip up the cash point was obviously to get some cash, but then to go straight to the pub across yeah. the road. And initially I thought I could just get away, just a quick pint, and she'd hardly know. Yeah. But as with all addicts, one pint, it doesn't really ever stop there. Yeah. It's, and so it, it it became she knew as soon as I said I'm just gonna nip up the cash point she'd sort of uh you know get her PJs on and go to bed because she knew I was gonna be quite some time. Yeah.
0: I, I mean I I I remember that. I remember that it, it did become uh somewhat ridiculous that you yeah. would say, I'm just going up the cash point and that was a cue for you to be spending the rest of
1: the evening in the pub. It did, but it was it was Looking back on it now, I think I could see that was the start of, 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 of my behaviour where I was putting drink first. I was putting it before working on my marriage, yeah, working on my relationship with my wife, and uh, and drink it was starting to become to become king.
0: Why do you think it was then that? Um, <clears throat> so you would say I'm just going up a cash point, and you know, there's an element of that which is actually quite funny, or it was at the time. Yeah. Um, don't put your tea near my laptop. And... Um, <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> why do you, but why do you think it was... I mean, everybody knew that you weren't going to the cash point, you sure. were going to the pub. <clears throat> yeah. What was it that
1: stopped you from saying, I'm just going to the pub? Embarrassed. Right. Embarrassed. Yeah, because I knew it was it was a regular thing and okay. it was becoming a problem. Okay. It was it was almost like hiding it up. Right. Not like it was, you're kind of hiding it in plain sight. Hiding really? it in plain sight, but so I wasn't hiding it from reality in reality, it was just from myself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost if it's if it's not spoken, then it's not real. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think we use that a lot, don't we? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um I mean money to me was it was a great enabler. I mean, yep. it isn't. I is for all, all addicts, you, you tend to find that um, once, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what's happening here <laughs> uh, with most addicts, you find that, uh, the, that the money, uh, especially un- unexpected money, suddenly coming into into the clutches is is a massive enabler. Um, and often, I've found that people that are coming into groups would would almost fear their uh, money coming in because they knew. What was going to happen once that money was in their hands? They weren't going to be able to stop themselves spending it on on drinking drugs.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean that's that's uh that's interesting because that is also uh, often true of compulsive gamblers. Yeah, oh, i don't really yeah. want to win because they know that, in a sense, the money is
1: burning a hole in their pocket, yeah. and they won't rest until they've spent it all. It is strange because I know that. Um, Certainly people in early recovery, they've taken the opportunity to put their finances in the hands of their partner or their parents, yeah. someone else that can actually take, take that uh, element of control away from them, yeah. which, is, which is quite a, a big step to take, and it's, I think it's part of the ending of any sort of denial that they've got a problem, and they know that there's an issue there, and they know that they need to start to put barriers in place to ensure they don't uh, carry on down that road. So they're conscious of their um,
0: inability to really trust themselves. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Which I think is quite a big admission, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. Because that's very, diff. that's actually a, that is indicative of taking responsibility rather than abdicating it. Yes. If you're early in recovery and you say to someone in your family, listen, I think you better look after the finances. That's just taking, that's being responsible for your own welfare, isn't it taking the uh, the risk of
1: temptation away? It is. I mean, it does. There are ramifications of that sometimes because again, we've had situations where that would be put in place, so that person then would then get money elsewhere, right? Which then. Could, they could then pull the wool over their, uh, their partner's eyes, could say, well, I haven't got any money to go and do this, and they just go and do it. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 um, it's not a fail-safe, but I always think it's a, it's a great step in the right direction. They are starting to take things uh, seriously at that stage.
0: Yeah.
1: And it happens a lot. Yeah. But what I also want to talk about, so just going back to the, to the cash point theme... I remember seeing this on a documentary once, and I thought, well, that looks that looks that looks a bit strange." Um, but having spent time with with heroin addicts, heroin addicts, and opiate addicts over the years, it is it is it is a, a problem. Well, when I say a problem, but it's a situation that comes along which I found difficult to understand at first. But but now I sort of do, <clears throat> and that's when they uh, when on benefits day, a lot of people will get together. And wait for that minute past midnight to to click over, and they can start to withdraw their money. And they would they'd have, have little parties by a by a cash point machine. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's a there's a phrase that to to describe these people. I really, really don't like the phrase, but it was the, the gyro junkie. Crikey. Yeah, I know. And it was it's and it happens. And I was going to go along to one. Um, just purely for the experience. Oh, you that. like a
0: cash point. Don't
1: no, you? I do like <laughs> a cash point, and I knew when there was one going to be coming up, one of these little parties. But I didn't really like it because I knew there was going to be drug dealers about that are preying on the vulnerable people at that time. There's dealers there waiting to get their, their money where they've. Um, you know they've given them a, a bit of credit up front, so it was it wasn't a pleasant it wasn't going to be a pleasant experience. So I, I didn't I didn't go along in the end. But uh, having spoken to people that have been to them and, has, and seen the documentary on TV when it was addressed, I thought it was a, it was it was very sad really. Yeah, because they're they're
0: effectively uh, just taking the money that they have to live with straight out of the cash point straight into the pocket of their dealer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially if they've had it on tick, so they, they could, in fact, that the whole of their benefits would be gone the minute they got it. So then they'd have to start up a, a new line of tick, either with the same dealer or with another dealer, and it, it was it was this horrible cycle that, that people were getting into. And a
0: worsening cycle because you're you're, yeah. you, you're using doesn't stay
1: um, stable, does it? It's it's, it's likely to <laughs> it's no, it likely doesn't. to increase over time. It doesn't. I remember. Um, I was in London on one occasion. It was quite early in in, um, in recovery. Like, I can't remember why I was up in London, but anyway, I'd, I'd come up to London. I was still living in Headcorn, and the Headcorn line, it goes into London Bridge. And I remember I'd, I'd spent some time up in London, and I was coming back home, and I don't know if you know London Bridge, but there used to be. I don't know if there still is, but there was a couple of cash points just, just right in, just as you entered into the into the station, into the, onto the platform. There's a couple of cash points there, and there was this guy sitting down next to this cash point on one occasion, and um, I went and sat down next to him and and just just read to have a chat with him. But you know, first of all, I said, you know, you're okay, and I had, a, had a chat. And he said to me, it's really unusual for anyone to want to talk to me and I said well I said I don't know what your situation is but I'm a recovering alcoholic you know I've I've, I've had uh, addiction problems you know and I find it quite interesting you know to, to see where it can lead people and, it, and he was quite he was quite open about it and it turned out he lived in Balming so you know he's from this neck of the woods mm-hmm. and he'd gone up there and, and that was his his place of, of begging was right next to right next to the cash point Um the thought being that sitting there people would take some out and, and pass a little bit across him, straight to him yeah which I think I didn't witness it happen whilst I was there but apparently he said that it um, it was quite a good spot to get what would he do with that money Some gave uh, well, well that's the thing I mean it's, there's this whole debate isn't there this whole debate you know should you, you know, should you give money to, to, to street beggars or to people that are, we don't know if they're homeless but um, should we give them money mm-hmm. or should we not at that point a lot of people do mm mm-hmm. I know what, I know what I've been told uh, because I, I addressed this with my key worker a long time ago. Because all of a sudden, I I felt I had great empathy with with people that had uh, addiction problems, which um, a lot of them had led them had led them, uh, had led them with their situation had been led that they had ended up homeless. But If you,
0: well, if, my view would be if you give money to someone who's begging,
1: there's a good chance that you're <clears throat> going to be enabling them. exactly exactly that's that's the way i see it um i remember my key worker saying to me you know ball means you go and sit with them which is what i did on this on this first occasion i've done it i've done it since um i do try and lend an ear i, I don't do it if i'm with someone else or if i'm with my children or whatever but if i'm on my own i try and sit down and talk to these people yeah. and it's i've you know i've bought them uh, coffees and i bought them uh, you know, a sandwich and that sort of thing um but it's it's quite it's sort of strange because I've found in Maidstone, because I know a lot of the recovery community. Sometimes I come across people that I know that are that are begging,
0: yeah.
1: And I know they're they're opiate users, and I sit down with them and say, look, you know I can't give you money, don't you? And they say, yeah, yeah, I, know, I understand that. Um, but they just like to have a chat. It sort of validates them as people again, and yeah. I think that's a really important point that. They're still humans at the end of the day. They're just down on their luck. It could happen to any of us. Mm. And when you add an addiction problem in on top of that, I think it's, it's a sad situation. And although I can't help directly, I think lending an ear—we're all a little bit happier to, to, to treat them as, as, as humans and to speak to them and talk to them. I think you can get a lot out of it. But um, do you think? Do you
0: think the majority of people in that situation do welcome that? Um, it's some and some. Yeah, it is. Um, I think that would be. But that. The fact that it's some and some, yeah. is probably one of the factors that would stop most people from from doing that, from, from going and sitting down and talking. It,
1: it? it would. I think it stops people engaging with them because they don't know what, to, what what they're going to come across, and they certainly a lot of people don't even like to be associated with with those sort of people. Mm. Um, and, you know, I often wondered. You know, when people do, they they walk by they you know toss fifty p in their in their cup or whatever. Whether they're doing it. For that person, whether they're doing it for themselves, whether mm. they're doing it to make themselves feel better. Yeah, sort of. Because i sitting down and talking to them. In my experience, yeah, there's some people who have been a bit suspicious, um, but generally after you've had a chat with them, etc., they tend to, to to enjoy it and then buy them a coffee on the way out. You know, when I'm saying my my goodbyes, I think it works quite well. Mm. An important point also is, um, I don't know what the answer is to this. Do we feel do we feel more sympathy? For girls that are begging on the street than than guys? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Uh, uh,
0: it's not one I've ever thought about. My immediate response <clears throat> to that would be in my experience, I've seen more men begging than women.
1: Uh, I don't know if it would make a difference actually. Maybe it should. Oh, well, from my experience, for, for, certainly from my point of view, I think you feel a bit sorry, you think they're probably more vulnerable. Yeah. But I, I think that um, some of the street homeless do know that that's the, that's the choice because, or that's the situation because they will, if they're in a in a, a partnership, they will. The, the guy will sit way away from the, the site right. and the girls will do the begging because they get a better result. Mm. And I, I don't know whether that's just appealing to their sort of machismo of the people walking by and thinking that they're doing something and it's a girl and they're vulnerable, et cetera. But I've, oh, it's a—it's a. Obviously, you didn't know I was going to ask you that question, but it was. Uh, yeah, I, no, I—I've
0: I, I, not—I've not thought about it, and I, it faced with that situation, maybe it would, stir some different emotion in me. But it's not something that I've noticed. What about? Well, so we were talking about enabling, and so there's a risk there that. You can be enabling people if they're begging on the streets and you give them money. But what about enabling actually in the home w- with an addict, with someone who's got a problem? How does that, what, what are your thoughts about that? How How do we, how do people avoid doing that with someone who is in an active, active addiction? It's very tough, isn't it? Well, yeah, because there's a, if it's someone that you really care about and you really <coughs> love, then it's a it's a struggle to see them suffering either way, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I've known people where the, or certainly people living with either a partner or or indeed their parents, that they will happily give them money or, or actually go and get the drink or the drugs for them to stop them going into withdrawals, and it almost keeps them in a happier state because the the minute they start to, to crave, um, they become quite erratic. Yeah. Um, But it's a real tough one to, to to stop. Uh, people enabling a partner
0: yeah
1: but it is it's sometimes you know tough love can be the way forward in this in this way or a a gentle cajoling of the of the people to to get help and i think that's the best that anyone can do be supportive and um and, and encourage them to to address their issues but again, very tough one. It's a tough... I didn't know you were going to ask me that question either. So no, no. I've had to think on my feet a little bit there and just trying to look back I'm on d- the experiences I've
0: I, I suppose I'm wondering what sort of stories you hear in group from people who have um, been in relationships or been living at home with parents and, and what impact the enabling or the refusal to enable has on someone prior to them being in recovery
1: i tell you what happens mostly the, the the stories that come up which are mostly, tend to to re- revolve around um the partner being very controlling right where it, it almost into a narcissistic level where they will um you know keep hold of the money and will will generally keep them active in their addiction because they can handle them oh, okay uh, and, and that happens quite a lot um because once you get an addict in a in a partnership, you tend to find the 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 uh, the, 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 the partner that doesn't have a, a drink or a drug problem starts to take a bit of an upper hand um, and starts to take the moral high ground and will then utilise that to their own ends. I'm not saying that's true of everyone because that clearly wouldn't be the case. There's a lot of people out there who get tremendous support from their husbands and wives, but I've seen it happen quite a lot. So in that situation
0: then the relationship would be perpetuating the problem yes. rather than doing anything to address it. Yes. So the, the, I suppose the obvious question there is what is the right thing to do then?
1: I don't think there is a right or a wrong. It just depends upon the, um, upon the couple involved.
0: So we've talked about enabling people who are on the streets, uh, could be homeless, may not be, We've talked a little bit about um, the difficulties of enabling or even avoiding enabling people who are in our homes or in our lives, in our relationships. What about the responsibility, if there is a responsibility, on society generally for enabling? So um, something we've spoken about before is um, minimum pricing. What's your view on
1: that? I don't like it right um in a nutshell and I think although it's been recently introduced into Scotland and they've seen a reduction in the sales of certain products that were that were priced up very cheap very cheap cider for example what it what I've when I've seen this happen um, when I've seen just it just on a local basis on a macro basis uh, on a micro basis you see that the, the 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 certain shops might put their prices up on on certain products um, and it will affect some people, but but the people that have addiction problems or alcoholics, they will just simply move to a different to a, a different way of getting high, a different way of, of drinking, or, or indeed switch drugs altogether, which is which is just as bad.
0: Isn't, isn't the reality that you know with addiction,
1: you'll get it one way or another. It doesn't really matter what you charge for. It, does it? No, it doesn't. It makes no difference. It makes no difference to the to the to the, to, to anyone. That's, that's, actively involved in in drinking to excess Um, and the trouble is with alcohol it's you know using basic economic terms um it's it's um it's subject to the law of inelastic demand which means that you can't whatever the price is it has it has very little effect on the on the uh, on the demand you get the normal supply and demand curves and they interact and that that's where the price is set, but law of inelastic demand shows. For, for example, uh, fuel that you put in your car, that isn't subject to uh, to 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 elastic demand. You know that to whatever the price is, you're going to pay that. Yes. And to an alcoholic, drink is as uh, as vital as that. <clears throat> so whatever the price is, they're going to. To, to, to get hold of it. Now, what happens then when the price does get too high? They simply turn to theft. Yes, and they'll get it by other means. And we've also seen when it when it's happened in the past, where prices have gone up in certain areas, uh, you get illegal hooch suddenly coming mm-hmm. onto the market. That's I was just thinking about that. Yeah, we've seen it happen, um, uh, especially. Uh, when, when the borders were opened up and, and with the EU, etc., and, and is the freedom of movement and freedom of, uh, of people across across borders. We're, there was quite a lot coming in from, from the East, Eastern Bloc, or the former Eastern Bloc, into, into a country um, with illegal vodka. Uh, and a lot of that was on the streets. When it was, it was, It's like buying illegal drugs. It's mixed with all sorts of bits and pieces. But to, to, to an alcoholic who needs a hit, they're going to go down that route. So minimum pricing, to my mind, is very counterproductive. Mm. and it will it will force people into crime i think it's it's quite um i remember when i first went into recovery and it was the kenwood trust that was running the local recovery hub once their uh, deal come to an end and they were outbid on the next uh, the, 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 for the next five years uh, the company that took it over was called cri which which stood for crime reduction initiative <laughs> which most people found that Quite abhorrent, really, because they were being labelled as criminals. And as soon as they got them off of drinking drugs, the crime rates would reduce. Yeah. Um, and I remember having a discussion in group about that point. But, and we come to the conclusion in the end, yeah, we weren't that happy with uh, with that title, but it probably did reflect. If you, you know, the more people you can s- stop getting into addiction or to or, uh, to make the, to help them recover, then the crime rate in certain areas would drop down. Yes, but it's a
0: it's an unfortunate way of looking at the problem, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It might be a truth, but in a sense, it exacerbates the problem. You know, once you've written people off and said, "Well, you're just yeah. a criminal," and until you get clean or until yeah. you stop drinking, you're a criminal. Yeah, it doesn't really do very much for people's uh, um, motivation to stop. You know, part of the reason that people fall into addiction is because they're not feeling a sense of um, belonging. You know, being exactly. part of something, exactly. And so, to tell them, to confirm to them that they're not part of something, seems to
1: me to be wholly counterproductive. It does, really. I felt, I felt it was a bit weird that I was being part. I was personally part of the crime reduction initiative, yeah. But I thought the acronym of CRI, cry, was also not really useful. Yeah. Not great. Not great. And a probably good way to end this particular. I guess it Absolutely. probably is. What do you think? I think. Any more probably... bits you want to add on? I can't anything think. else
0: you want to ask me? Well, I'm in the mood. I can't think of anything no. off the top of my head. Okay. I was just thinking about you being a criminal, really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I was—I was, I mean, a lot of the people that were in the groups did have um, uh, criminal records, but it was to be everyone lumped into that and being called a criminal from day one. It was not like being born into original sin.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's
1: good. So um, I think that's probably it for this week. we call that a day, should we? I think we probably <clears throat> should. Do you know, I've had a really sore throat all the way through this. <clears throat> so I hope it's um, it's come out all right. But I think it's probably because I need a bit more tea. Yeah, well, I mean, it's okay. You, you, it would probably be a little bit irritating, but that won't be it particularly will, different. There won't be anything for, yeah, for, from <laughs> normal. No, I'm happy with that. I, I can irritate at the best of times. All right. I'll uh, see you next week. Yeah, we will do, mate. Cheers, then. Take it easy. Bye. Bye
0: sideways was created by graham landy and martin pankhurst if you want to read more about our work visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways you can follow us on twitter and you can email us if you have any questions or if you want to tell us anything that you think about the show and finally we'd like to thank you for listening and ask that if you've enjoyed it spread the word and we'll see you next week